Joel chapter 3. We'll conclude the book of Joel today. I don't think it's going to take us too long. But uh, we'll get through the last few verses here of Joel. And then next week, like I said, we'll dive into a new sermon series entitled Stories I Heard as a Child. And uh, talk through some of the more uh, popular Bible stories. I'm trying to decide. I haven't decided yet if I want to go through them in order as they are in Scripture, or just put them all in a hat, pull one out, not on Sunday pull one out, but pull one out the week of and just hit a hit and miss kind of thing, go through them all. I don't know which one I'm going to do yet, but uh, nonetheless, we'll go through, uh, start going through those in Sunday afternoons, and uh, I think that'll be something the kids will like and something the adults will like as well, and a uh, good opportunity as well to look at some things, maybe stories you haven't heard in a while. Sometimes we don't get to some of them uh, in sermons all the time, and so it would be good to, to look through some of those things as well. Joel chapter 3. Joel's been an interesting book. Uh, you get through these prophets in the Old Testament. Again, if you read them all like back to back to back to back, a lot of them are very similar in the sense that it's dealing with sin, judgment, or the forewarning of judgment, um, those kinds of things. There's a lot of just um, a national sin, I guess, might be the right term for it, national wickedness going on throughout the Old Testament and obviously still going on in today's time too. Um, and, and I think it's important for us to remember that with every, um, with every punishment uh, comes the offering of restoration. And I think in, in almost every case, I'll say almost every case, every case that I can think of in Scripture, before God sends the punishment, He gives the, the warning, get right or this is coming. And uh, I think a lot of times in our own lives, we get punished by God and we go, man, didn't see that one coming. Um, but the reality is, is God had warned us. God had uh, told us, you know, if, if you don't live right, you're going to face consequences. And thankfully, as a Christian, the ultimate, uh, the worst consequence we could suffer um, before we were saved was hell. And thankfully, as a Christian, that consequence is off the board. But uh, that doesn't mean that we get to skate free with our sin. And you look at the, uh, the, the, the Israelites and you see God's warning to them. That if you don't get right, there is going to be a severe consequence. And uh, in many cases in the Old Testament, there was the, um, the national overtaking. Uh, a, a king would come in and overtake them, and they would get scattered, and they would get uh, underneath, uh, they'd be submissive to a different authority for a number of years until it finally at some point the nation called on God, and God forgave them and delivered them. And, and it's, it's a picture, I say it's a picture, but we'll understand it happened, but it's a picture for us today to, to realize that, uh, first of all, when we do sin, we need to get it right, and if we don't, there will be a consequence, but also with that consequence, what it looks like in 1 John, remember, is if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That deliverance is still happening today, that when I sin. And I, if I don't get it right, I will go through a consequence. I don't know what that consequence is. You know, some people think every physical ailment is a, is a punishment. That's not true. Um, but, but sometimes it is. 
And sometimes you go through um, uh, uh, situations in life uh, that, that are a result of our sin, the hardship that we're going through and things like that. And again, not every hardship is a punishment, but that happens. And to know that I can get deliverance both from my sin, uh, which is the most important thing, but also from my situation, God will bring deliverance as well. And again, we don't always understand the timing, God's timing of his deliverance um, and God's allowance for some of the things that we go through and different things like that. That's a massive topic that you could take years on. But nonetheless, um, understand deliverance is available. I want us to look at two promises here at the end of Joel that again, we can, we can attach to our lives in the case of sin and, and forgiveness and deliverance and everything with it. So let's look here, verse 18 uh, through verse 21. It says, And it shall come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drop down new wine, and the hills shall flow with milk, and all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters, and a fountain shall come forth of the house of the Lord, and show water, excuse me, and shall water the valley of Shittim. Egypt shall be desolation, and Edom shall be a desolate wilderness, for the violence against the children of Judah, because they have shed innocent blood in their land. But Judah shall dwell forever, and Jerusalem from generation to generation, for I will cleanse their blood that I have not, uh, that I have not cleansed, for the Lord dwelleth in Zion. We're going to kind of jump around these verses a little bit. We're going to work not necessarily backwards, but not in order of the verses, but I just want us to see two things this afternoon. First of all, I want us to see the promise that the enemy will be destroyed. Um, if you're looking at it in your own life, you can look at it in the, the promise that the situation will be resolved. But in this case, they had an enemy, and the enemy uh, had come, and there was, there was uh, persecution, there was uh, tribulation, there was things over top of them. And uh, he mentions it in verse number 19 when he says, Egypt shall be desolation. And Edom shall be a desolate wilderness. Why? For the violence against the children of Judah, because they have shed innocent blood in their land. These are the enemies of Judah, the enemies of Israel, and the enemies of God's people. And we see here God promising that Egypt will be a desolation and Edom a desolate wilderness. And the purpose of it is for the violence against God's people for the violence against God's people and the innocent blood that was shed in their land. I think, again, when we look at the um, Joshua, Joshua says, you know, they draw the line in the sand and they say, uh, choose you this day who you will serve. Make the decision. Are you going to follow God or not? And, and as I mentioned before, that is the, the, the line that's in the sand still to this day. Choose you today who are you going to serve? And you get to pick. Um, it's it's uh, one of the things I try to teach my kids is is the consequence for your actions. Um, you made the decision to choose what you chose, and then there's going to be a result of that, good or bad. Um, if you made a good decision, there's going to be a positive result. If you made a bad decision, there's going to be a negative result, and that can be in a number of different things, right? Um, it can be in food, right? Uh, you, you pull something out of the refrigerator and you decide to choose which one you're going to eat. Well, if it was an old, older thing that just hadn't got thrown out yet and you decide to eat that, there could be a negative result to that uh, versus a fresher item that there would be a more positive result of, right? Uh, the older I get, 
good food sometimes has a negative result. <laughs> and, uh, and you got to make the decision. Well, I choose, choose the wonderful taste and the bad outcome or choose the blander taste and the more positive outcome. It's still a choice that I have to make. When we talk about serving God, you know, this morning we were talking about obeying and following God and having our prayers answered and having that fellowship with God. It, it is a decision that you have to make. And just as Joshua drew the, drew the line in the sand and said, if you're on this side, you're with God, and if you're on this side, you're not, it still stands there today, the same line, that you have to make the decision which way you'll go. If you're against God and you're against God's people, God is going to, at some point in time, beat you. Not um, literally, necessarily, but win. That's what I mean by beat you. He's going to win. He's going to have victory. And the promise here is that the enemies of the people and, and, and that are going through these things, going through these promises, that, that God says the enemy will be destroyed. Now, if you look at this prophetically and you look to the end times, you look at the battle of Armageddon and things like that, the same is true, right? There's going to be a desolation. Anything that was against God is going to become desolate. And anything that's with God is, is going to have great blessing. But here specifically he says that these, these two that are mentioned, Egypt and Edom, he says that because of their violence against the children of Judah and because they have shed innocent blood. And this is a, other areas in Scripture that talk about innocent lives being, being lost. I think if you'll study, study your Scriptures, study these Scriptures, I think you'll find that, that one of the things that God hates um, as much as anything, is the killing of the innocent. Um, we talk about this in the, the argument um, against abortion. We talk about this and uh, just in general in life as well. God loves the innocent. And God, God will, uh, I, would, I think it's safe to say, rain down His wrath on those who take innocent life. Um, God hates it. And, uh, you know, God hates murder, of course. Um, but I, I think that you'll find God, when he talks about the innocent, many times speaking of the children, um, I, I think you'll see a, a, in a human term, a soft spot um, for, for the innocent. And God, we so many times don't understand how angry God can get. You think throughout Bible history, at the times where God was angry. Uh, do, a, do a study on that sometime. Uh, maybe if you're trying to figure out what to do in your, your Bible devotions, why don't you do a study on times when God was angry and see why he was angry and see the result of the anger. Um, it, it's intriguing. I haven't studied it out, so I would just be telling you things off the top of my head today. I'm going to hold from that for now. But maybe if you're trying to figure out where to go next in your devotions, do that. Um, why and, and what when God was angry? Uh, look for God's wrath and God's anger in scriptures and see what you come up with. Maybe we can, uh, uh, I know next month Sunday school is already planned. Maybe we can talk about that sometime for a Sunday school thing or something. Or maybe we'll do a sermon series on it. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Nonetheless, it just came to mind. Uh, it's not good. <laughs> there you go. That's what the point I'm getting to. When God's mad, it's not good. It's not good. And, uh, and he gets mad when you take innocent life, amongst other things. Then the second point, though, that I want to close out with today is the promise 
that happiness will return. And this is the idea of restoration. And this is the idea of forgiveness. And so we were talking about this morning, talking about that, uh, what God provides and the satisfaction and the joy and the fulfillment of life. And when he comes to this point, remember the whole, all of Joel is a warning pretty much of what's coming. And now he closes it out with these promises that the enemy ultimately will be destroyed and that uh, a return of happiness. Why is that? Look in verse 21. For I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed, for the Lord dwelleth in Zion. There's going to be a cleansing. We talked about this morning with, uh, again, sin, and we talked about in the past week, sin blocking us from God. If you'll, if you'll use the illustration the Bible uses of sin being like dirt, uh, making things dirty, uh, or making it dark so you can't see, all those sorts of things, and understand what a cleansing brings. Um, if you have a, uh, a simple illustration, you get a dry erase board and you got marker all over it and then, and it scribbles. I was at a, uh, <laughs> I was, I had the opportunity to receive an award for our company, uh, this week and it was a fancy spancy thing and the mayor was there and all kinds of fun people. But, uh, it was from the Fayette County, uh, education system was giving out awards to businesses who basically give money, but, uh, are part of the community and things like that. And uh, there they had a display of artwork from uh, the Fayette County Public Schools. And some of them were absolutely incredible. I mean, just nuts how, how good some of these art things were. But there was one by an eighth grader that was literally scribbles. It was a big white thing with different color scribbles on it. And, and you know, that's art, supposedly, from what the art people tell you. Um, but, you know, if it was a kindergartner, okay, that's cute. An eighth grader, now I'm confused. Um, and it just was basically dirty, a dirty canvas, in my opinion. My un, unart educated eyes. I didn't get it, especially when the picture right next to it with this uh, just uh, incredibly detailed drawing of a person and just uh, incredibly good. And right next to it, this display of scribbles by an eighth grader. And that should have been the label. It wasn't the label, but that should have been the label. Scribbles by an eighth grader. Anyways, it's messy. If you get a blank canvas, a, a blank dry erase board, a clean sheet um, where it's just, it's, just, it's just pure now, it's just white. And that's what God's doing with, with sin, right? And so you think of a, of a nation, a nation that's dirty. I think our, you can look at our nation right now and see it. Could you imagine America with a clean slate? I can't, honestly. <laughs> but try to think about that. America, all the wickedness that's in America. I mean, you can go the whole world, but we'll just go America. All the wickedness in America, if you could take away all the crime, if you could take away all the, the bickering, if you could take all the, uh, the, the dirty words, the foul language, the uh, immorality. You just take it all away. And all of a sudden you've got a, a, a nation that's right. Can you imagine what that would look like? How safe do you feel walking around a city right now at night? Now, I've never been robbed. I've never been mugged. I've never been beaten. Anything like that. And yet... I'm still very aware of my surroundings <laughs> if I'm walking somewhere. Even in a parking lot at a grocery store at night, I'm aware of my surroundings. 
Uh, could you imagine not having to be? The amount of just peace that would be involved with that, knowing uh, that the person walking next to you or behind you or in front of you is, has no ill will in their heart, how nice that would be. Um, the reality is, is that's not going to happen until, until the Lord returns. But a nation that is wicked and, and godless and, um, and just, just so much chaos, if God were just to cleanse it, and he says here that, that, that I'm going to make pure this land. It's going to be cleansed. And you look at the situation they were in just a chapter ago, and you can see the, the miraculous nature of that. So happiness occurs, returns, when there's a cleansing. And, uh, and God says it's coming. And then in verse number 18, uh, he talks about blessings. He says, It'll come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drop down new wine, the hills shall flow with milk, and all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters, and a fountain shall come forth of the house of the Lord and shall water the valley of Shittim. You see just the, uh, what we look at the chapter 1 and the locusts and all the things that come through and just destroy everything. And we talk about a desolate land. And now he says there's going to be great blessing. Everything is going to produce again. There's going to be a, so much blessing that comes with it. Blessings are great. Cleansing is awesome, but he says in verse number 20, not only that, the promise of happiness returning is going to be an eternal happiness. And he says, but Judah shall dwell forever, and Jerusalem from generation to generation. When we understand that God's restoration, God's happiness, the happiness that God can bring into your life is a happiness that can be an eternal happiness. Salvation as great as it is at the moment of salvation, when you come to that realization, that dependence on God, and you say, God save me, and God says, you're saved, that relief, that joy that you feel, it's a wonderful feeling. But for whatever reason, it seems like many of us uh, forget that feeling. And we get through life, especially you know, someone like I was saved as a kid, and now I'm not a kid anymore. And so I'm far away from that that day. And there are times where I, I admit I don't look at my salvation and just, you know, and, and just have that same just awesomeness about it. Why? Because I'm focused on my job and I'm focused on the tasks at hand. And I'm focused on disobedient, unruly, wicked children in my house. And I'm, I'm uh, focused on all these other things going on in my life instead of focusing on what God's doing for me. And, and you understand how I say it, God's doing for me. God's salvation, yes, it's, I believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. You never lose your salvation. So it's not a continuing act of God having to save me every day. God saved me, but what God is doing in my life, knowing that it's eternal, that, that no one can pluck me out of His hand, that God's got a hold of me and He is not going to let go. And that should excite me every day. And it will if my mind's on God. And it won't if my mind's on this world or on myself or on the things of this world as well. But God says, with my cleansing and with my blessings, understand there's an eternality about it. And that's what I'm talking about when I say the things of this world, you know, the Bible says, the things of this world, they can make you happy for a season. 
but ultimately it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring destruction to your life. The things of God are eternal. They're not going to pass away. And to know that, that I can have that on a daily basis, where I don't have to go through the things that are being mentioned here and warned of in Joel, but I can live a life on a daily basis with, with true happiness, but I can only get it through God. And, and that's what God is promising here, that, that the enemies are going to be destroyed and the happiness is going to return. These people, if go back to Daniel's time. For me, that's the easiest way to picture it because you have Daniel and you've got them in Babylon and they're in uh, captivity and there's so many things that happened that were good in that, that time period that God used for Daniel and for the other three men that stood and, and, and followed God uh, that we read about, at least those, those four total men. But that... that the ultimate goal was deliverance to get out from underneath that bondage. And that's what they were looking for and we're looking toward and God gave it to them. We're in the same situation today, individually. When we sin, we're in bondage. We're in captivity. And God says, I can destroy the enemy and I can bring back your happiness. But I'm the only one that can do it. And so we should take the lessons from a nation that we read about in Joel and others in the New Testament, our Old Testament, and realize our own lives are going through these same things just in different ways. But it's the same result. Sin causes problems. Repentance brings forgiveness. And forgiveness brings joy. And, and we can have that joy today and tomorrow and on and on and on because it's an eternal joy. It only gets interrupted when, when I go wrong. And when I go wrong, um, it's on me because I chose to do so. When you go wrong, it's on you because you chose to do so. You can blame anybody you want. God doesn't care. You can convince someone else that it's someone else's fault for what you did. You cannot convince God that way. The soul that sinneth it shall die. You're responsible for your sins. And until you get them right, you won't have the happiness that God offers. Um, and when you do get it right, you can have the happiness and you will have the happiness that God offers as well. So watch out for the locusts and the, the canker worms and all the other things. Um, look to God, follow God, do what God wants you to do and uh, don't go through the, the discipline um, process. Uh, just, just live for God. And, uh, you know, it's funny, isn't it? We as parents tell our kids, you know, I don't want to punish you. I, I don't know if you tell your kids this or not. I don't like punishing my kids. Um, so, you know, my deal is, so why, why would you do this? Because I don't, I don't want to have to do this. Would you please just be good? Just do right? And I can only imagine God being perfect and not like me. I can only imagine God going, I don't want to do this, but you made your decision. And how frustrating it must be for a, uh, for a God who loves us so much to have to sit there and watch our silliness, selfishness, uh, pettiness. And uh, um, he just, he's ready to restore happiness if you let him. So do right, as Bob Jones uh, senior preached, do right, do right, do right. Lord, help us, help us to do right. Help us to follow you. God, I pray that if we're in that, 
uh, disciplinary moment in our life right now where you are um, chastening us for our sins. I pray that we would understand our need for repentance. I pray that we would give it to you, ask for forgiveness, seek forgiveness. And Lord, we know that you're going to give it to us. And Lord, I pray that you restore the happiness in our lives, that we would, uh, again, be able to experience the fullness of what you can offer. Lord, thank you for this day in church that we've had. Thank you for these people and their faithfulness. Pray for those that uh, could not be here today, and uh, pray that you would uh, help them in the different areas that they have need of uh, today as well. Uh, give us a good week, Lord, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.